You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. This podcast is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, telling Oklahoma stories through its people since 1927. Follow them online at oklahomahof.com and definitely on Instagram at oklahomahof. Let's get into today's episode. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hoon here, your host, back with another episode down at the Oklahoma Hall of Fame today with Oklahoma Hall of Fame inductee Paula Marshall. Um, congratulations on last year's induction. Uh, super excited to dive into your story, hear all about um, you know your family business, uh, but I'm a golfer, so we're going to have to talk a little bit about golf. And the <laughs> up-and-coming PJ Championship. Okay. Um, I'm sure you're thrilled about that. But first of all, I guess this, I mean, because it's recent, because it's still fresh. Um, tell us about being inducted into the Oklahoma Hall of Fame and, and that kind of, I mean, what do you remember about that phone call and, and all of that process from last year? Oh, my. Well, um, I didn't know a lot about it, so it was very secretive. Actually, I was just leaving the tennis club because we were still kind of in COVID. So I the afternoon, I was over there because I was president of that board and I was, we were having a meeting. And so as I was in my car leaving, I got a call from Matt and Matt said, okay, um, I've got some really good news. It's going to be a surprise, but don't get mad at me, but I've got to put these people on the phone. And I'm like, what in the world is, what are you, what are you doing? What are you talking about? And so he puts um, puts the great folks from the Oklahoma Hall of Fame on the line. So he connected us, and they said, "Hey, Paula, you know, just want to let you know, we've been working with your friend Kathy Keating and Matt here. And they've got a whole bunch of great stuff to tell us about you and your career and everything. And we're putting you into the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. And I literally thought I was I was driving out." of the club at that point and I thought I'm I'm gonna have a heart attack here like it was nothing ever 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 in my mind and it was just such a you know it was so great and inspiring and positive and then after that but it was such a uh it was it was inspiring it was um a shock it was a surprise and the other thing Kathy kept telling me over and over and I don't even know if this is important or not but she said, nobody gets in this place on the first try. And I said, what do you mean? She goes, no one, no one, no one. And I said, well, I, I said, I didn't even know you guys were doing it. And she goes, that's why we didn't tell you, because if you didn't get in, we didn't want you to be all upset. Right. And so I said, oh, my gosh, I never even dreamed that. So I was also, like, kind of blown away that that had happened on the first try. So yeah, it must and have been a good year. Definitely. And and obviously you have a great friendship with Kathy because Kathy introduced you that night, um, you know, to be inducted. Yes, Kathy. Um, we have a lot of great tales. And a lot of them were when she and Frank were in the governor's mansion. And mm -hmm. we used to come over and, you know, it's hard to be the governor's wife and be a free spirit like right. Kathy is and like I am. And so we'd go to go to have lunch in the mansion frank would come in and he oh i'm gonna leave you girls 
And then we just sit there and hoop it up all afternoon and, yeah. you know, just have more fun. And she'd tell me stories and I'd tell her stuff. And, you know, we were just having a great time while she was in a position where maybe it wasn't so easy for her to right. laugh out loud and kind of be crazy a little bit. Yeah, I can't imagine what it's like to be kind of in that life, right? You know, you're, you're like you said, the, you know, I'm, it's the first lady of Oklahoma, probably the right term, I guess, maybe. Yes, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, you're right, you're kind of under scrutiny everything you do, and, you know, you can't just kick back and hang out, you know, like in, in general public life like you'd want to, but, of course, you can find a time, great time at the governor's mansion, kick back in that, you know, you got great... I didn't realize the, the the pool is shaped like the Oklahoma State flag until yes, very recently. Which yes, is, the state of Oklahoma. Kind of awesome. yeah. Yes, and she did a lot. Um, she started the museum, and I would come down, and we'd unpack boxes mm -hmm. and all kinds of crazy stuff. And she found the most wonderful things that were made by people here yeah. in Oklahoma, the boots. I remember I still kick myself because I should have bought that pair of boots that she found from mm -hmm. this person in Oklahoma somewhere that had every little county and oh, all amazing. kinds of things engraved into the boots and you'll never find another and yeah. she told me at the time but they were seven hundred dollars and i thought oh kathy that's a lot she goes yeah. you'll never find another pair of boots like this and i was she's right mm -hmm. but that's the kind of thing that she used to do and then she used to use the money for the mansion to um upgrade and you know yeah. make it nicer for other people who were going to come there yeah. and live there so amazing that's so cool we had a great time yeah so for people listening who might not know the story, we'll go back and set some context about your family's history and kind of the family history of the business too. Um, you know, Tulsa-based. I guess for you, what is, I guess, your earliest memory of kind of growing up around the family business and just being aware that my family has a business? It's, you know, it's Bama Pie Company. And, you know, was dad, you know, dad might not be around or mom because they were so busy. I mean, what was kind of like mm -hmm. your earliest memories? Well, the early memories were like people, at, kids at school would ask me, you know, what's your dad doing? What's your dad doing? And I always said my dad, you know, was a baker. And, and then that would make people laugh. You know, they would start laughing. And then well, what does your mom do? And a lot of moms were staying home and that kind of thing. And so I'm like, oh, no, my mom goes down there and counts all the money. So I think what happened is they all thought I was just, <laughs> you know, my dad was just in this little bake shop and my yeah. mom was down there counting money. And I also knew that we were very involved after school. So a lot of times we didn't have babysitters. My mom picked mm -hmm. us up at school. and We came right down to the company and we either did our homework there um, we got to know all the people that worked there or my brother and I ran around in the factory, uh, because it wasn't running in the afternoons because usually people were out of there by noon because mm -hmm. in bakeries, people start, you know, the old Duncan commercial about the guy at 3am, I'm making the donuts. That's kind of mm -hmm. the bakery business. And we would go out and play in the warehouse, which today would be like, oh my God, so taboo. <laughs> we'd climb up on these bags of sugar or flour or salt, and we'd we'd drive the fork trucks around, like literally 10-year-old and 11-year-old kids driving the fork truck around. What a nightmare. I mean, can you even imagine that? Health and safety would have a Oh, my gosh. 
people would like be going what yeah. and then we'd like we'd spin we had these uh the bowls that put the dough in mm-hmm. and you could spin them around and they'd go around real fast and so either my brother would be in the bowl or i'd be out you know in the bowl and we'd have to spin each other and we'd let, take turns spinning each other in the bowl so we all got dizzy so we're climbing in these bo- bowls that they're probably going to make dough right. in the next day with our tennis shoes <laughs> and our clothes and our regular hand you know no soap no yeah, yeah. you know bacterial stuff or anything so you know it was quite fun i mean i just remember it being a lot of fun and and yeah. not not um you know anything like work it was more like oh that's where we get to go play after school you know and drive around these big fork tracks what a cool thing so awesome (laughs) Uh, so growing up was there ever kind of like you know was it i'm going I, i think my path is destined for me i'm going to be in the family business or i mean what was what was little paula's dream at that point growing up well, I was more of that kind of this the kid in school who had I liked playing sports, so I was kind of a tomboy, but I also was not a very good student. And so my brother was my both my brothers were the really smart ones. And so I just kind of like thought, oh, you know, who who knows what I'm going to do cuz I am not dad used to say, "Well, I hope you can find somebody to marry cuz you know, there's probably nothing much you're going to do." <laughs> you know, great great positive attitude yeah, towards yeah. me, dad. Thanks. But yeah. again, that in the 60s, that's how that's how it was and so they're just hoping you know that I can graduate from high school and somewhere along 10th or 11th grade I started realizing that I liked languages I liked um, Latin for some reason like for a kid who's like made straight C's all through and all of a sudden you start making A's in Latin it's like what what happened you know like yeah. where, where did something someone come in and give her a lobotomy or something <laughs> so we um i started thinking you know i took then i took more spanish i took more french i i tried to like start taking a lot of languages and i always told my parents that i was going to go off and become a uh, interpreter and i was going to go to work at the un and that you know i thought they used to look at me kind of funny but i liked language and i liked speaking and communicating so that i did know at an early age but then the plan was no 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 we're not coming into the business so um the 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 problem came in when my dad uh about 1990 1989 um was on a business trip and he started feeling bad Mm -hmm. and he was getting a really bad case of indigestion and so they took him to the hospital and they ended up putting him in the hospital with a heart attack and so my mom was very concerned so they flew him when he was better down to Tulsa and then he got a doctor here and then he was getting open heart surgery as all of his valves were clogged everything well so my older brother was of course you know this is now going to fall onto him well, lo and behold, he has a heart attack. Like, he's 40 years old, and he Damn. goes into the hospital with chest pains. And so it's like, oh, my mom and I were like, well, she's like, you better get back over here. Yeah. Um, because I was in school at that point in time, and I was like, oh, my goodness, what's going on? So, of course, I left. My other brother, um, he just basically told my mom, no. I'm not coming back. I'm just going to, you know, everything's going to be fine. You guys can handle it. Wasn't even interested in the company at that time. So here's my mom and I, you know, like Mm -hmm. going to the hospital every day, 
sitting and wringing our hands, trying to like, oh, praying, you know, that both my dad and my brother are going to make it. Um, Because now they have both had open heart surgery. Like they're in the same hospital, different wings, different rooms, different floors. Wow at exactly the same time and i was 22 or 23 years old it was this was like the most i mean it was the most awful thing that could have possibly happened yeah Uh, because i knew nothing about the business because i had been going this other direction Mm -hmm. and my older brother was the one that had been in there working and now he's down too so you know i came over but my mom went to work every day she knew everything she was all good and um so when i got there you know she's like we're just gonna have to you know i don't know really i don't know what to tell mcdonald's because they were like the big customer like the huge Mm -hmm. guys on the block that we were working with most closely at that time and my dad was had a relationship with all the top guys ray crock and Mm -hmm. fred turner and all these guys that had developed the apple pie the hot apple pie and he was in the process of learning how to make it and building all these equipment and this yeah. huge freezer and all this stuff. And I walk in, I'm like, Mom, what are we going to do? I mean, this is like, this is kind of a big deal. And she's like, I, you know, we just need to, you just need to go out, help me outside. I've got all this other stuff covered. And the McDonald's people, when they come down, we just got to make sure everybody thinks that everything's covered. And I'm like, yeah. okay. I have no idea what's going on around right. here, but okay. So that's yeah. kind of was my, you know, trial by fire. Yeah. And starting out with my mom and I sitting there, not, you know, just, wow, like, what are we going to do? Right. We're praying on the one hand and we're over at the hospital, you know, two or three hours a day. And then we're back over at the company the rest of the time and just trying to, you know, keep it going yeah until the boys got back that was kind of the general plan gosh thrown in the deep end big time. oh my goodness yeah. yes yes and like you said not just you know business issues going on i mean your family's health is at my stake, family right? is you know? very ill yes yeah, and like we're in also i have a sister-in-law and they have kids mm-hmm. and there's you know just a lot of turmoil drama everyone's in the hospital and at that time and it still is i guess but when you have total blocked they hardly ever do uh, open heart surgery anymore Mm -hmm. but at that time that's the only way they knew how to unblock Mm -hmm. so both of them are in intensive care both of them are you know have prognosis like question mark you know we hope that these guys are going to make it and they but they both had total uh heart bypasses every mm-hmm. single valve every single thing was blocked Jeez, that wow. they could be they could be blocked they had yeah. everything gosh that's i mean it's i mean it's wow it's yeah thrown in the deep end trial by fire is is, is the way to, to put it obviously but and unprepared none of my sure. yeah. training i mean i was in communications yeah. you know nothing about financials business profit and loss no, nothing yeah. no my mom was a financial genius. I mean, she really was. But I had no idea yeah. what a sale was, where the revenue came from. I just knew we made these little pillow-shaped pies for these people that had these arches, and they had a few restaurants in Tulsa. <laughs> and I sometimes yeah. went to eat there, you know. Yeah. <laughs> God, that's mad, isn't it? So you were in, you're at Tulsa University at this point? 
Uh, Oklahoma City University. Oh, you're at OCU. Okay. Yes. Great. Yeah. Yes. So you got away from from family a little bit and stretched your. Yes, I was all out of there. I was. Everyone was happy and fine. You know, I'm going to have something to do. Yeah. You know, because when you're the little, the little daughter, um, everything's handled, so you really don't need to worry too much about all that. Yeah. And my dad wasn't worried about me. You know, being okay. He was just hoping, you know, that I'd find... He, they never thought of a career or anything like that. And I don't know if my parents just had low expectations of me mm-hmm. or if it was just that they didn't... They were so busy doing what they did, so much focus on my brothers yeah. that I was kind of, you know, whatever. You know, let's just hope she doesn't <laughs> right. do something crazy, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so so growing up then, I mean... At this point, you you know you have a contract with McDonald's, so the the business is doing you know very well at this point. My dad doesn't have a contract though. Okay. Right. Yeah. So it's all handshake. Got you. Okay. Yes. That makes sense. And his handshakes are with these two guys, the yeah. two top guys, and now he has to be turned over to yeah the purchasing department. Oh wow. <laughs> Yeah, that's. Oh, I would have loved. I mean, look, there, there could be a movie made about this, right? Like, oh, absolutely. To be so, you know, all I've the stories about you it have, a lot of times. The stories that you have from those <laughs> because days. Because I love all those guys, and right. we're all great buddies now. But at the time, they wanted me gone. I mean, they really were like, nope. Yeah. We've, we we got to do something about this situation. I mean, the minute they came down from Chicago, it's like, this is these two. I mean, Lila, we love you, and yeah. this, Paul is real, real good. But it's like we're not, we're not in. This is a gentleman's club. We don't yeah, want we're just not in. Yeah. We got to find somebody to buy this place. How did your mom take that? She was a little mad. Yeah, a little bit. She went, well, what, you know, what makes you say that? And, of course, she wasn't used to, sure. you know, fighting or pushing back. My dad handled all the relationships. So um, when they came in, she was just very, um, well, we, we need to talk to you know, Paul's not really well, and we need yeah. to wait till he's better, and then we'll, I'm sure we'll all get together and have a conversation about all this. Wow. So she tried to put him off, you know, yeah. as long as she could, and then in, in between going back and forth to the hospital, she and I were talking, and she says, you know, it's about time you and I had this conversation. I mean, is this something you want to do? Because we've never really yeah. talked about it. She said, your dad and I have been talking about it, but... You know, we just don't know what you want to do. And I said, well, I like the business. I like it. Yeah. Um, I love baking. I, I'd like to learn a lot more about that. I, I think I need to know a lot more about mm-hmm. the financial end of things, but I can take some classes for that or whatever. And she's like, okay, well, we're going to go to bat for you. Yeah. And this thing's going to get probably get kind of ugly because the McDonald's guys want your dad to sell the company. Right. Did they want to buy it from you? They were going to send somebody in to, to buy it. Yeah. And then they would ultimately have one of the other of suppliers. Yeah. They were going to find somebody that wow. you know, um, another company that yeah. maybe one of the bakers or someone who was in, you know, another line of business or whatever. They would send them in to. Yeah. To purchase it. God, how different would life have been if that would have happened? Oh, right? well, I sure wouldn't be sitting here today. <laughs> you might be overseas somewhere <laughs> working for the UN. Yeah. I would never be sitting here. I'll promise wow. you that. <laughs> God, that's, yeah, it's amazing. I and, know. And I always say, you know, it's God's destiny mm-hmm. um, that we're brought here. All we have to do is just find it, yeah. you know. And so I look back on the early 
you know, love of languages, love of communication, studying all these communication skills and things, um, and how much that's helped me, oh, yeah. you know, in my leadership ability and being mm -hmm. able to connect with all of our team members and ultimately customers, you know, uh, the, the McDonald early McDonald's guys didn't think too much of me, but yeah. as I grew a little bit more and we went into these very long, it was a very long protract protracted, uh -huh discussion um kind of was put on the you know we've got to see the what's going to happen here so right. we've got to see so i was being watched very you're, carefully you're in probation i was right? on probation yeah. for sure and we just got to see if you know can she just not screw this up basically right is what happened it was just all about not screwing it up yeah and um and so they kept sending people in to talk to my dad and at this point you know, at that point in time, they got out of the hospital, he and mm -hmm. my brother, and then they go home. And they still, the doc, you know, at that point in time, the doctors were like, oh, no, you got to take it easy. It was like months, right? These yeah. are, it's like, he can't do anything for months. So yeah. we're out little there. little stress as possible. Oh, exactly. And right. so we're out there and we're talk, telling him, you know, the McDonald's guys are coming in. My mom hadn't exactly shared, you know, what they were saying. And so she's like, well, do you think you feel like meeting with them? Because they're coming in, they want to talk. And, and my dad's like, sure, yeah, let's get on with this. You know, I'm going to just tell them we're going to have Paula running it, and that's that. And, yeah. and so when they came in, they went to the house, to my parents' house. And my dad was like, uh, no, this is how the plan's going to go. I'm not going to meet with any of these people. I'm not going to talk to any of those guys. And they kind of sat up, and they were like, well, you know, we really yeah. kind of demand that you do this um, because we're just not, we're not certain. He goes, let me just tell you something. I was eating three squares a day before you guys got here and I'll be uh, eating three squares when you're gone. So you can just yeah. go out the door and you can deal with her or you can not. Yeah. And they were like, okay. So they left. And I was like sitting there in shock. I was like, oh, my God, Dad, what have you done? And he said, you know what? We need to find out now. Let's find out now what they're, you know, what they're going to do. And lo and behold, they didn't, we didn't hear back from him for like two months. And then after that two months, a gentleman called me that had been appointed head of diverse, diversity for McDonald's. Mm -hmm. And this was like in 92 or 90, early 93. And he said, I really um, think this can work. Yeah. And I said, wow, really? What, what changed your all's minds? He says, well, we, we really need some diversity in our supply base. And I was like, oh, really? You are now the poster said, child well, for diversity exactly. for McDonald's. <laughs> I said, I didn't think it was because all of a sudden you had decided I was so qualified. Exactly. Even yeah. though by that time I had my degree, right. I had, you know, I was going to grad school. And I thought, wow, okay, well, yeah. all right, let's go. So the criteria was that you have to own 51% of the stock. Mm -hmm. And then you have to have 51% of the operating decisions. Mm -hmm. So now we've got to go back to my dad and my mom and sit down. And so I researched, pulled down this paper from about what diversity was, because they yeah. were clueless. You know, they course. had no idea. Yeah. And so I said, okay, um, mom, dad, here's the deal. They're, they're going to support me. Mm -hmm. 
but here's what we have to do. You have to sell me 51% of the company. I thought they were going to fall out of their chairs. <laughs> and then you have to give me operating control. And yeah. they were like, gunk. <laughs> Trying not to give you that another heart attack. Right? <laughs> I know. I said, Dad, I know this I'm is so, so stressful. Sorry. But it had been about a year that we'd been going through all this, you know, yeah. by this time. And so he said, looked at my mom, and he's like, what do you think? And she's like, gosh, does that mean she can tell us when we can get our hair cut and stuff like that? <laughs> she goes, what if she says no? I said, Mom, I said, look, so we figured, we got another attorney involved, and we figured out some cash transactions that could go on in, in replace of, you know, the ownership, and, and they had their nest egg, and then my dad was, was all pretty cool with everything after that. Yeah. So it was a long so, ride, though. The yeah. whole process took about two years. Yeah. Uh, to get the certification from an outside company, to get the diversity certification mm -hmm. that you're a truly a woman-owned business, yeah. and uh, to share all that financial information, show it, get the certification, then go back to McDonald's and say, okay, I've done it, right. you know, because under yeah. the two years was all this probation stuff, you know, mm -hmm. so anything that happened... Yeah. And it's like we're it's on the record. You're, we're calling you in, you know, you're going to yeah. be called on the carpet, and. There was only one or two little things that happened, but it, both of them were my actually my dad's fault. So I, you know, we kind of like had to break it down. And that's where my whole journey with the quality effort mm -hmm. and uh, building quality into our processes and our systems and my work with Dr. W. Edward Deming came mm -hmm. in to play because I actually started down that journey of gotcha. learning after um, we had had some issues right as dad was... Yeah. you know, getting ready to step out the door. And it was almost one of those, we told you so, we told you so. But he ended up taking responsibility for yeah. the issue that happened. And he said, uh, it was my fault, and I'm getting ready to walk out. You know, I'm going to Florida. I'm yeah. leaving her with the whole business, and we're all good. Yeah. So he did. He kept to his word. He never came back and interfered in anything again. He never told me that what I was doing was wrong. He was very supportive. That's so awesome. that was a that was a turning point for me, yeah. you know, at that point in time because I started feeling like, well, maybe I do have the qualifications. Maybe I can do this. But one of the things that was interesting to me was when Dad left, he left this giant hole. You know, I mean, he was he was always some one of the people I was recruiting to come in to, to work um, when he was leaving um, asked me to draw an organizational chart. Well, I'd never we never put one of those down. I mean, right. why would you do that? You go to dad for everything, right? Yeah. So I said, well, it, there's a, what does your organization chart look like? And I said, well, it's an octopus with a big head. And then there's all these tentacles of all these great people around here that do all this stuff. And they said, well, then are you just going to put your name in there? And I said, oh, heck no. Why would I put my name in there? And they're like, well, you're now the new head of the octopus. I'm like, no, I'm not. Mm-mm. So I started telling people when they would come in to talk to me like they would come to my dad. I started telling them, like, look, at, the first thing I want you to know is I do not have the answer. Yeah. So that will be the first thing is we're going to either figure the answer out together. You're going to figure out something and tell me what you think the answer should be. Right. Or we're going to go figure it out. And so 
people around the company started like going, what is going on around here? There's no more octopus. It's like this flat organization and we're all working together to do stuff. So when I met Dr. Deming, it was like his philosophy was so much like that, that I was just drawn to work with him as a management philosopher and a leader and adopted my leadership style and my philosophy totally after his uh, tenets of, of management leadership. Yeah. So is that at that point, is that kind of where the kind of the growth comes from is kind of just taking away, Mm -hmm. you know, your, your dad's just like, dad has the answer to everything and it's his way because he has all the answers to we have a system in place now and anybody can run run you know somebody could come in here look at the system be like okay like we can do this absolutely and it's a lot more discipline so i will say things had to be written down so here's the difference in my philosophy and his where people were like who've worked for him for 30 years would look at me like are you sure you want to do this recipes for one thing recipes was one of his like these things got written on paper towels and put in closets (laughs) (laughs) at least they were written down some things were written down i I will say a lot of it was feel and you know the flour came in you put so many bags in and then if you didn't like it you added a touch of this or a touch of that and there's only these mixer ladies that have been there for 40 years that know how to do it and then there's this guy in the dip room that only knows how to make dip and then these ladies make the filling and they are the only ones that know and they have a few notes scratched on the you know and I'm like, oh, my God. So I get the ladies together. And these are ladies. That, and these are all these wonderful, older African-American ladies. They're all giant. And they're sitting there in the room. They're looking at me. They're going, girl, we're not sure about what you want us to do. You want us to write everything, everything? I said, absolutely everything. Yeah. Got to write it down for me. They just couldn't bring themselves to do it. So I said, okay, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring the video camera. Girl, you're going to videotape us? I said, yep, I'm going to videotape. Come on, guys. Let's go down. Let's start making stuff. And I literally filmed them all yeah. for like this hour, this batch. And I go over this one. And I did this all myself because I knew that they wouldn't trust anybody else. Mm-hmm. And then when I got it all down, I you know put it on the little machine and we just started writing everything down and that was our first entry into like putting stuff into a computer yeah i mean we were all like making notes on pieces of paper like this and even mcdonald's was like yeah we like what you're doing you know you're modernizing you're putting things on a computer this is good you're training people oh my gosh yeah you're being proactive we're being proactive and training was not something that any of those folks really believed in they just Mm -hmm. this is my job and i'll do it i i would tell them i'm like well what if you don't come in one day like you know honey i've been here every day for 50 (laughs) years what makes you think i'm not going to come in and i'm like well what if you had a car accident or what if something happened you know we're all getting a little older here and they just thought you know once they kind of realized that we're going to keep going with this yeah they all came to me and said you know i'd like to retire and none of them had any retirement so we worked out retirement for them and put some money away for them and and i just i was so blessed to work with these great ladies that love my parents so much that they would they would literally die yeah. uh if someone came and asked them what the recipe was yeah. they would they would i mean you would have to like they would die 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it would be like Zelensky, you know. It's like I'm taking the hill. I'm not leaving here, and I'm going to die with yeah. the. I'm going to die with the recipe, you know. <laughs> it's just like a huge scaled version of like your nan's greatest recipes, exactly. right? Like, you're like, please write this down because I want this to last forever. Exactly. You know? I mean, yeah. just imagine that you know, the, in those days, they would have been you know at home cooking over these big yeah. frying pans and frying chicken, and Brilliant. nobody knows what's in it, yeah. and they're making gravy and biscuits, and the whole so family's good. going. And then the recipes go away. Yeah. You know? And yeah. then I can't it's recreate all that stuff. Yeah. I, there's no way. Oh. So we just knew the bags of stuff that came in and went into these different little rooms. They had the doors shut. We knew what went in there. We just didn't know how much they were using. Yeah. It, it'd be like your grocery shopping list and all the stuff just sitting there on the counter. <laughs> but you don't know any if it's a spoonful or if it's a cup. You know, yeah. and so that's where we were when I first started taking over and I had to gain all the trust mm-hmm. and I didn't know all the answers. I didn't know any of the answers. And so gradually, slowly, but surely I just built that yeah. relationship with all my team members and and our customers, to be yeah. honest. And I was willing to do things that my dad wasn't willing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad didn't. He had a hard time trusting people. So when McDonald's asked us to go to China, for example, Mm -hmm. in 1999, um, I said, absolutely, you know, we're going. And they about fell out of their chairs, you know. So it's like all these things. Well, will you go put a a plant in in Europe? Sure. You know, and so we've got facilities all over the doggone world. And I think nothing of it, you know, because I have these wonderful people. Would they do everything like I do? Mm -hmm. Probably not. Do they do a wonderful job? Yes. Do they come in and give us 110% every day? Absolutely. Yeah. Am I there every day? No, I'm not in Poland. No, I'm not in the UK. I'm not in Wales. I'm not in Belfast mm-hmm. every day. But I trust them. And that was a big difference in my father and his philosophy and me. Yeah. Because he never wanted to grow outside of Tulsa, Oklahoma right. with his one little spot. And he knew everybody and he knew what they were doing he could come down anytime the day or night and check on every single person and we were dealing with a great great big multinational company right and they want you to go and do things and make investments in countries Mm -hmm. where they have stores you can't do that all from Tulsa Oklahoma so I think my relationships as I grew in my relationships with McDonald's and with those folks and I built the trust with them so it's all about trust you know the whole my whole business model relies on trust and that's what that's what i preach to my team now that's amazing how how does the initial i guess mcdonald's like happen like how does dad develop that i mean does mcdonald's just come knocking one day like how how does that happen he was actually on a cold call Mm -hmm. he used to put uh this pie that he was working on because he had the vision that at some point when people came back from the war, when it was in the 40s and 50s, mm-hmm. when he was growing up with his mother teaching him how to do stuff, everything was baked in a round pan. Yeah. And he was seeing all these people coming back and work, going to uh, eat in the car. And so he kept saying you know, to his mom, Mom, if we don't have a something they can eat in the car, we're mm-hmm. going to be done here. So she thought he was crazy, so he went off, you know, to Tulsa, yeah. Oklahoma from Dallas, Texas, and built this line to make these little pillow pies. 
And um, he would take them around because he was so convinced Mm -hmm. that this was going to be a deal that he drove everywhere in his caddy every week. He stocked it up on Monday morning, pies in in a cooler in the back in the trunk, four or five coolers, shut the trunk, off he'd go. We wouldn't see him till Friday. And he'd have orders in his hands, you know. He'd have things that were going on. And so one day he called on Ray Kroc just as a cold call. He knocked on the door of the McDonald's Des Plaines, Illinois, and the guy answered the door. Wow. Like, what can I help you with? Yeah. And it was Ray Kroc. Talk about putting in your hours, right? Talk about hard work and just, you know, what is Gary Player's favorite quote, right? You know, the more you practice, the luckier you get. It's a game of numbers. It's totally numbers. And that, totally numbers. then then you build that relationship and and from there the orders continue and and get bigger. And then they, like I said, back to trust. They trust you more and and then the production numbers just increase. Yes, it builds on itself. And my dad, you know, by that time my dad had, he had met a lot of guys doing restaurants mm-hmm. he met a lot of guys like ray who said they were going to do what ray did he 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 met the guy who you know started that big boy restaurant the guy with the you know the crazy burger on his hand mm-hmm. he's got the plate i don't know you probably don't yeah. even know what i'm talking about but it's like something called bill's big burger and he's got this big and he was okay. going to put those all over america those guys with the red suits on with the sure. plate yeah. holding the hamburger and my dad would come home and he's just like, I don't know, that guy just doesn't seem like he's got it all together. And yeah. then he'd go work with another one and then he'd go work with another one. And so when he met Ray, I think the combination of what he saw in Ray uh-huh. and his dogged determination and he, my dad saw that in Ray. Yeah. And my dad had that too. My dad was like, if he was nothing else, he was doggedly determined. Yeah. And so I think when he met him, he decided to throw it all. And him and my mom got in more debt than they'd ever gotten into putting in their first pie line and building mm-hmm. the capacity, you know, to fill all these restaurants that he said he was going to build. And then he started building them. Yeah. Because when my dad started with him, there was five or six restaurants. That was it. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, and back to what you just said, oh, your dad finds it hard to trust people. I mean, that. Obviously, you know, it took a lot to find when you find the one and you meet Ray. And like, I mean, there must have been a pretty great relationship to witness is the fact that he does trust this guy and this guy and him are going all in together. You know, and there's one of the things that people don't realize is, you know, the element of risk. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you said, your mom and dad, you, you know, go into a lot of debt just to develop the the line yes you know like that's a huge risk and they're risking you know the house probably i mean everything I, you i'm have, pretty right? sure they had our house yes yeah cars house the building that we had that we mm-hmm. were doing our retail pies out of so yeah. this was a line that in a part of the you know plant that didn't have anything in it so yeah. it was going to eventually grow to overtake all the rest of the mm-hmm. the products that we were making because we eventually had to put another line in another line we had four or five lines running in that one our original facility at one yeah. time and then for contingency purpose we took a couple of the lines and moved them out to a new location a brand new building that we built that i built yeah. and uh because they were very excited about us upgrading and putting in some automation and some robots and things like that it was a big deal and so you know it's a it's a thing where i think you 
you just believe in someone, mm-hmm. you know, you just, maybe it's wrong, maybe it's right. I think if you looked at every single person in here in the Hall of Fame, you that there'd be something that would trail through their whole story, their mm-hmm. whole history, and they met someone who was a life-changing yeah. person to them. Right. And so I believe that wholeheartedly that my dad was destined to meet him you know meet ray i was destined at that particular time to you know be introduced to their new head of diversity who was looking you know at the time i knew i knew that that's why they were picking me is because i was made made sense to them because i didn't have any you know real runway with them but i knew i could also convince them that it's not just a girl thing because i also knew if it was more than a girl thing um or less than a girl thing. What am I trying to say? But anyway, if it was just a girl just thing, a girl thing yeah. eventually I would fail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you can't run a business that like that, mm-hmm. that, that, that's that complicated. If you're, if you're not putting the work in, you right. know, if you're not digging in, if you're not mm-hmm. learning, if you're not, you know, teaching yeah. people around you, the business will fail. And I think that McDonald's has seen that over and over and over when they've tried to build these diversity companies that it's very difficult to just pluck someone out of one industry or law school or whatever and stick them in a McDonald's restaurant. Um, Sometimes it's just not their gig, you know, and it doesn't work. Yeah, just because they tick the box and they have the, you know the, all the right paperwork and they look the right way, the, the way that McDonald's wants you to look. And when they came to you and said, you know, you got that phone call from the diversity guy, they probably gave you, not that you already probably didn't have a chip on your shoulder and you're like, I can do this, right? People mm-hmm. are doubting me. And then you get this, another guy's like, you know, yeah, we're going to call you, because of diversity, we're going to give you a chance, right? We're going to keep supporting you. Yes. And you're like, thanks for the opportunity but i'm going to show you what i really can do yeah and then you go off and like you said you you you, know, you meet the doctor and develop that system and mm-hmm. and it kind of explodes from there and then like you said you, you know dad didn't really want to risk much but um or outside of tulsa anyway and then you'd go you know nate i mean worldwide mm-hmm. but yes we have the system right why does you know all we need to do is translate the system to whatever language we need to speak and right. off it goes right And through whatever happens, you know, it's always about applying yourself Mm -hmm. to that situation and building those communications, Mm -hmm. building those relationships, trusting each other and building whatever that is, because it's really the same, whether it's, you know, you're learning to fly an airplane or you're, you know, learning to play a guitar and you're going to become a famous musician, you're going to put the time in. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone knows you're going to play little honky tonks. You're going to go here. You're and somebody's going to stumble in one night Mm -hmm. that will see you that will give you your big break. And that's what you're always hoping to do is make that connection Mm -hmm. by going out to enough places. And that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to make my connections by going to enough places that Mm -hmm. I could learn that I could be seen as someone who was competent. Yeah. It's exactly what I do with the podcast. Yes. (laughs) That's exactly what I do. Um, You know, like I said, you hope you meet the right person who believes in the mission and believes Mm -hmm. in sharing stories and and wants to be a part of it, wants to support it. And Mm Thankfully for me, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame is one of those partners, which is amazing to me. Um, but tell me about, you know, going, I mean, wanting to travel. I mean, growing up being, being a little girl and getting into language and that passion, you know, that little girl probably looking onto the future saying, 
you know, now I have a I have a plant in, you know, seven or eight different nation, you know, countries mm-hmm. around the world. Like that little girl in you was so happy when they gave you the opportunity to, you know, to go somewhere else. Isn't that the craziest it's thing? It's crazy, isn't it? I mean, because my love of languages, I get to travel to so many places. Yeah. I mean, it's like this is like the dream job, yeah, you know, rather than being a UN interpreter. Yeah. I get to go and teach people how to do great stuff in a factory, mm-hmm. you know, and and really provide food for people because we sell three and a half million pies every day, but McDonald's sells wow. twenty five million burgers every day. Yeah. And so it's the it's the connection. It's like right. yeah, I'm getting to step into this facility here, but what we're doing is creating magic on the other side. Yeah. Because those people that are visiting those McDonald's restaurants are bringing their kids there mm-hmm. when they're happy or they're sad or they've had a birthday right. or they're, they they want to spend some time or a special event. Mm-hmm. It's it's that connection that I'm always selling yeah. in my company to my team members is the next mm-hmm. brand over. It's not, I know how you feel like you this thing you're doing could be so mundane. Mm-hmm that you're doing it, you know, eight hours in a day and you're moving yeah. around different places but doing virtually the same thing. Think of that person over there on the other side that's getting your mm-hmm. pies or getting your hotcakes or getting your biscuits. It's like, okay, now yeah. people start, oh, wow, I didn't think of that, yeah. you know. And in um, sometime during the 90s, we started making pizza. So mm-hmm. we started doing business with Pizza Hut. And one of the reasons they were drawn to us was because of our McDonald's relationship. Right. Because they realized, okay, if you can make millions of those, you can probably make millions of this. Yeah. And so they just give you a, not a hall pass, but kind of a hall pass. Yeah. We're going to give you a trial run. Automatic. You know, yeah. Yes, because we have confidence that we know you You can can do this. Right. We make biscuits for Wendy's. We make their breakfast biscuits. Same thing. We we got a hall pass. And those folks who work there now had worked at McDonald's or had worked at Pizza Hut or had worked somewhere else. And in Subway and other places. So they go, they bring their... You know, yeah. they bring their remembrances. They bring who was a great partner, who treated them mm-hmm. right, who helped them. And so it's like it's the cycle that yeah. you can never get away from. It's just always there. Right. It's a life cycle. That, that snowball, like that snowball effect, right? Like, mm-hmm. you, you know, you prove that you can handle, I mean, one of the biggest businesses in the world, McDonald's. You mm-hmm. prove you can continue to satisfy them for, I mean, so many years now. And I like think said, they 40 wanna, years yeah. maybe or I I didn't add it up before I came in here, but it's a long time. And I have people ask me all the time, and you don't have a contract with them? And I said, no. Yeah, handshake. Handshakes. God, it's amazing. We still don't have anything written down. Yeah. That is not written down. Yeah. (laughs) All my recipes are, but not that. Yeah. yeah, because it would probably just make things awkward if somebody came to you and were like, look, I know we've been in business together for almost 40 years, but we need to sign this now. You're like, really? Come on, guys. Yeah, like, they can't do You think do we're going to leave you guys? Like, <laughs> it's, too, yes. it's too long. It's too they long, They even yeah. have a phrase now at McDonald's, and they teach all the new executives come in. They're all like, what are you, what are you talking about? Yeah. No contracts. They call it the three-legged stool, and yeah. that was phrases that came down from Fred. Mm-hmm. It came down from Ray. And it's like we're all going to hold the stool up. You know, the yeah. stool is the restaurant and the food and what's going on in there. But the customer experience is the top. Yeah. 
it takes the company people, it takes the suppliers, and it takes the owner operators. Mm-hmm. And that's always how they always speak of it is yeah. we don't have all three legs of the stool in balance working together without walls, without right. Because, see, that's how my dimming philosophy also fit in with my relationship with McDonald's. Mm-hmm. There are no walls. You know, you can you can deal with the franchisees directly if you want. You can yeah. work on improvement projects. Mm-hmm. You can work on new ideas. You can work on all kinds of things. And you can build those relationships. Yeah. I mean, there's eight or 10,000 of them. But, you know, you can through the years you can get around to the meetings and the mm-hmm. conventions things you can make meet you know yeah. four or five thousand of them so all of those voices and all of those communications mm-hmm. that are also always important go around also yeah yeah it's amazing you just you, you pop into a meeting once you know and that mm-hmm. person's in that meeting like oh the boss popped in today like that does never happens, right? But like you said, you get around, you do that every, you know, once a week or once a day, you just pop into a different meeting or jump on a call. And, and like I said, you know, by the end of the year, you've met, you know, five, 10,000 mm-hmm. of your employees that, you know, some, some employees of some big companies, they never even met the boss, right? No, they have no I idea go, who that person is. I, I yeah. purposely go out yeah. to our, our, all of our facilities. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I was in our Wales facility uh, a month and a half ago. And I mean, literally, people standing there with their mouths open, like, "Who are you?" Yeah, they speak one funny the over there, don't they? One of the guys was like, "Yes." <laughs> one of the guys, one of the older engineers, yeah. he was so funny. He had gray hair, and <clears throat> he's like, "Now, who, who are you?" And I said, "I'm Why Paula." I said, "Paul Marshall." He goes, "You're the lady that signs my check." And I said, "Yes." <laughs> he goes, "No, yeah. really." I said, yeah, that's me. So I started walking on to talk to some other folks. Mm-hmm. Next thing I know, he comes up behind me and he goes, you, you, really are the, you really are her. And I said, yes, I am. He goes, I can't believe this. He starts walking around all the people on the line, yeah. all the other maintenance guys. He's this gruff old maintenance guy. Yeah. He's like gruff, gruff. And he's like, that's, that's, that's her. That's the boss. Can you believe this? That's the boss. That's what she looks like. She's here. She's right here in the factory. Yeah. I mean, it's like they run That's around so and it's like, oh my gosh. And then they came up and followed us up to the canteen. I'm like, yeah. hey, have some pizza. You know, they're all like, you really do exist. We've never met a boss before. We've That's never great. met anybody like you. Yeah. <laughs> like, do, do you remember where, where in Wales is, what's the town that that? It's in. Do you we're the name of uh, it? we're in. Oh gosh, I can't even remember the little. We're in. We're in Wales, and we're when we fly in there and we drive to our factory. It's in mm-hmm. a industrial park okay. just outside. South Wales or North Wales? Uh, it's in North Wales. Okay, so I'm from South Wales. Okay, so I grew up like. 20 minutes from Cardiff. Oh, I love so, Wales. Yeah, all the castles and everything. Yes. It's great to visit, but I don't miss the rain because it rains all the time. It's always, it was raining when we were there. Yeah. Yes, but we have a facility there that makes bread for Subway. Okay. And then we are now making pizza dough there. And then we're also going to be putting a McDonald's line in Amazing. there. So it's kind of. I had it's, no idea. That's so good. <laughs> yeah. That's yes, brilliant. and the people there are wonderful. Good golf Wonderful. courses, too. That's some great golf Some great there. golf, yes. And then we also have a facility up in Belfast. Gotcha. 
So when Brexit came in, mm-hmm. McDonald's kind of panics. And so yeah. we put a couple of lines in up there in Belfast. And yeah. that, that's a really cool town as well. That's another thing. I mean, we won't dive into it, but just to point out, like you have to navigate all of the stuff that's going on around the world, you know, with, with supply chains and issues and, you know, just whatever's going on. It's, yes. you know, it directly relates to you. And, you know, a lot of people probably are unaware of that stuff. Yes, but, the truck know. driver's situation, yeah. the yeah. supplies showing up or not showing up. Mm-hmm. the relationships that we have with our our vendors because I've tried to pattern our company and our supply chain relationships after what McDonald's has taught me sure. so we have a lot of very long-standing partners mm-hmm. uh, big flower companies or very small mm-hmm. you know palm oil companies it's very diverse supply yeah. chain um, but you know, every year I have we have a big dinner and we invite all of our top 50 suppliers in and we, you know, talk about the business and we give them a chance to interact and everybody, we have something to say about everybody that's there. And so it's just, you know, those are things that people remember. Mm-hmm. They go out of our dinners and things and they just shake their heads and are like, never been around anything like this and especially now you know with covid and other things people feeling a little lost a little forgotten Mm -hmm. a little not important but because so many people are sitting in front of their screens it doesn't mean that the work still isn't getting done Mm -hmm. so you've got to get out from behind that screen and go socialize just touch you got to touch touch because once once people know you if they know me if they've met me Mm -hmm. almost everyone in my polling facility do not speak English. Only my top managers do. Mm-hmm. But every single one of them knows me. And they know when I'm coming. They know when I'm getting ready to walk around. Yeah. And all they wanted to do when I was there last time was because the bombing had just started in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. All they wanted to do was talk to me about how can we start helping our Ukraine friends. Yeah. And so we organized a couple of efforts with some local orphanages mm-hmm. that we knew were going to be getting some refugees. And where I'm just like, let's everybody, let's go to Kmart, you know. Yeah. So <laughs> everybody got money, and we all went off to like the. It's not Kmart, but it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's their version of yeah. Kmart. Bought blankets, bought baby diapers, bought formula, bought you know clothes, mm. bought everything we could we could buy. Probably spent twenty five hundred dollars or three thousand, whatever right. it was put them in boxes, took them over to these orphanages. I mean, it made, people were crying. I mean, people were like just so upset, you know, and crying. And so when you can touch people through Mm -hmm. that mechanism as well, through the volunteering and helping others, then they see your company as something bigger. Yeah, It's a spiritual thing almost, rather than just a company where Mm -hmm. I come and do stuff. Because I'm always trying to help people understand that what we do is bigger than... Mm -hmm. You know, it's about the customers on the other side of McDonald's or Pizza Hut and helping improve their day and what they're going through rather than us mundanely making a piece of pizza dough. It's something more special than that. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, you've been blessed and the family's been blessed with everything and the timing of everything. Yes. You know, and like you said, it's, you know, it's you just keep the cycle going, don't you? You You keep the cycle going. And I've um, I've got a daughter and a son. My daughter wasn't as interested. She went to law school. She helps us with our, you know, on our family foundation. And my son is actually in the business. Yeah. um, And he's 24 or five right now. And I always like to remind him we're giving him little assignments you know, while he's finishing school, he's always, on probation. He's on probation. <laughs> I always like to remind yeah. him. I'm like, you know, 
I was doing the whole job. I was doing this job when I was your age. So let's, yeah. you know, quit, get out of the pity house. You know, oh, I've got all this schoolwork. Oh, I've got all this. I'm like, Mm-mm, I don't yeah. want to hear it. You know, <laughs> we got to keep the cycle going. Yeah. And he gets it. My kids really do get it. Mm-hmm. So they really do appreciate that spirit and keeping that fun alive and keeping that love going. And yeah. that's what we, that's what our jobs are. Oh, definitely. And and to that point, <laughs> like I know, you know, um, both of us, uh, I, I, well, obviously we've, we're golfers, but a mutual friend of both of us is Ainsley Stanford, whose son Chip was on, you know, the, the team that went to Arizona, um, the PJ Junior League. Yes. Team. Oh um, my goodness. So, so I heard from him all about you <gasps> and how amazing his son is at golf. Um, and the whole team. And you my know. my best friend, who's the coach of that, uh-huh. who her son, yeah, is on the team and was recruited. Mm-hmm. They did oh so good. Oh my gosh, you're kidding! They did so I was good. there. I got yeah. to go. I was so excited. Uh, I heard. I heard all about it. Oh, we um, all went. But my my point in that is, I kind of wanted you to talk about kind of like giving back, right? And, and not just in golf, but you know, to women in entrepreneurship, and you know, because obviously, like like back to the point we've been talking about. You know, McDonald's came to you with saying, because of diversity, mm-hmm. we're going to give you a chance. Mm-hmm. And obviously how that has evolved over the last, you know, 30, 40 years and, and how, you know, we've got multiple women in great positions, leading companies, not, you know, the mega, mega you know positions. Mm-hmm. But how you go about, you know, now that you're kind of obviously you're still in the leadership role, but now that you can have more time mm-hmm. to go out in the community and share more stories and that really that part of you that i sense that you really really do enjoy doing mm-hmm. that but that giving back side mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about you know kind of how much that you know it impacted you personally but also just giving back to golfers the younger generation whether it's sporting abilities and just you know jumping on a plane to go give them you know to watch them play or giving a class to young college girls or guys who are just into entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Well, my, my personal mission that I worked on a long time ago is to love and honor every soul. Mm-hmm. So it's important to me when, <clears throat> you know, when someone can articulate what it is they want to do and they have a passion around it. And even if it doesn't really have anything to do with, you know, our mm-hmm. work at Bama, Um, I'm always interested in hearing. So one of the things besides the golf, which of course, one of my best friends, it's her son, of course, we're gonna, and we've been playing golf with him since he was like two years old. I mean, dragging a little plastic club around. Um, So he, the, I got introduced to a guy who's got a band in Tulsa. You probably heard of it, the Hanson Brothers. Yeah. Taylor Hansen, right? So they made one really, really good song. Really good, but they but got a lot knows. of good ones. Everyone now. knows the one song, but they, <laughs> they're still touring. I would love to interview <laughs> them are. one day. I'd oh love my to god, them. Taylor is yeah. now he's turned into one of my really good friends. Amazing. So he's had this vision, and I also, weirdly enough, had a vision to put in a community garden <laughs> on some of the Bama properties somewhere. Because I felt like it was so important because I wanted our team members to learn where the food actually comes from. Because so many of our younger people that come in now have no idea. Mm -hmm. They live in very impoverished neighborhoods. There's no way to get food. They're in food deserts, et cetera. So we constructed this great big plot of land about a half a mile from one of our facilities. And we had the whole thing laid out. Mm -hmm. And one of my plant managers came to me at the time and he said, you know, Paula, 
I'm all for this vision, but I just want to tell you, we're trying to do what we can to keep these kinds of things away from the factory, like bugs and mm. rodents Makes and sense. little minor things that yeah. come in from gardens. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I never thought of it. Yeah. Never thought of it. So my VP of HR and I were going out to kind of going to different um, fundraisers. And we went to this thing called True Leaf or New Leaf, sorry, it was called New Leaf. It was a big, big organization in Tulsa where the handicapped folks do the flowers. They make the flowers and they pot them and then they grow them and then they actually put them together in baskets mm -hmm. and they sell them. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so we met, we went to this fundraiser and I got introduced to the guy who was director of New Leaf and he happened to be sitting with Taylor Hansen. And so, you know, they're all like, well, what are you guys doing here? And we hadn't seen you at these, you know, this fundraiser before. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know, I really want to put in a garden, but I don't want to do it. I can't do it at the factory now. I've got to abandon that plan. And Taylor looks at me like, what? And Kevin looks at me like, what? We've been trying to figure out a place we could put in a community garden. See, now yeah. there you go again. Timing. And I'm yeah. like. How would I have ever met these two people? I never, ever. Mm -hmm. But we were out searching for a way that we could hook up with one of these not-for-profits and put in, yeah. you know, put in a garden. So we started talking. We started meeting. We ended up buying a, a five-acre plot of land in North Tulsa where the food desert is. Mm -hmm. We're launching this thing. It's a $10 million project. We're getting, I mean, it's incredible. In two years, I hired Kevin away from New Leaf. Uh, Taylor comes out now. We do fundraisers. Yeah. We're raising all this money. We're teaching people about aquaponic gardening. We have volunteers coming out. We're starting grow beds. I mean, this thing has, like, exploded. Yeah. And we get calls all the time for people that want to come out, see the grow beds. Can we come out and bring our kindergartners out? So now we're, like, starting to talk That's about awesome. an education building. So now I've got to raise three or four more million. But, you know, it's like, this is what we do, yeah. right? And so now one of our major charities in Bama is, is Food on the Move, we mm -hmm. call it. And almost, I would say probably 70% of my team members at Bama go out there at least once a week and volunteer, yeah. or they go out on a weekend, or they take one of their days off and go out there, and they just plant. And they're learning about the grow beds. Mm -hmm. And they're learning about these aquaponic gardens. And I'll tell you, the other day, I got so, I, I burst out into tears, honestly, because we were out there looking at, we just had a pod delivered mm -hmm. from the aquaponic garden, garden guys. And we've had this aquaponic garden running over at this uh, middle school, um, a lot of very low income kids there, and a lot of dropouts. This boy, I got introduced to this boy running the aquaponic garden and Kevin said I just want you to have you know Joe or whatever his name was I'm sorry I can't remember it take you around and tell you about the garden and what he's doing and this yeah. and that and this and that this I mean I'm thinking this guy's like some Nobel scientist you know the way he's talking about yeah. all this stuff in here and what happens in the fish down in the bottom and when they do this and this creates a sulfate or a phosphate or this and I'm like looking at him going 
wow, look at you. And we're walking around the garden. I'm like, oh, honey, this is the greatest thing. I love this so much. Thank you for volunteering. I love it, love it. So I come out and we're going, I'm walking down with Taylor and Kevin Harper. And they start telling me about this kid. And they're like, he's in school right now because of the of the garden. Yeah. And I said, well, what was going on? He's like, you know, he's got his grandmother's raising him. There's 14 mm-hmm. kids in the house. There's no man, no male figure. Yeah. He's come out there. He was going to drop out. He was already being recruited by the gangs. He was done with mm-hmm. school. Yeah. Just done. These, these are the kinds of kids that we want mm-hmm. learning about gardening, about agriculture, about farming, about yeah. it's a job. It's a job you can do. Anyone can do it. And these aquaponic gardens can be set up in schools. They can be set up in apartment complexes. Yeah. If we can engage the kids and the people around to what's going on in this inside mm-hmm. this this little pod, yeah. it's, it's, it's incredible. Like it's a it's it's an all encompassing one food system that could literally feed like families yeah. with fish, and then with all these fresh vegetables. Yeah. And this kid is like. I mean, I was like bawling after Taylor and Kevin told me about this kid. They're like, he was going to drop out of Monroe. And I said, see, guys, this is why we're here. Yeah, that exact example. This is why we're here. Because there's kids, there's so many more kids like that, right? There's tons of them. And we just want to keep building it and helping Mm -hmm. them, you know? And so it it inspires us to keep going, Mm -hmm. you know, because there's so many of these things needed in, in those communities. Yeah. It's, it's powerful and like you said i mean just not not just in tulsa but this happens you know around all your facilities like you said you do stuff in in poland for, you know for ukraine and and you know i'm sure there's a million other examples of, of you guys you know just giving back to the communities that you're in and the impacts that you have it's you know it goes goes a lot further than just making and selling pies and, and biscuits and you know pizza yes it does right? that's why our mission statement is people helping people be successful that's mm-hmm. why it is what it is because we know our job in life yeah. is not just to give you something, but to help you be successful, mm-hmm. no matter what it is. Yeah, you know, it could be anything. Yeah, we don't care. No, not at all. <laughs> um, let's talk about Tulsa and the PJ Championship. Okay, because you've had a hole in one out there. I, I hear, that. right? Have, I did, did have a hole in one was out there. Was that last end of last year? Uh, it was two years ago, actually. Okay. Yeah. It was right, uh, maybe like right before the pandemic started. Yeah. Um, there were some, uh, I had one of my friends had some clients in town. She had mm-hmm. too many to just be in her group. So she yeah. asked me if I'd come out and play with, so I of show course. up, I yeah. have no idea who these guys are. You know, I've never met any of them before. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going around and we're playing and I hit this ball. So we get to the 10th hole, famous par three. It's, you know, it's down in a big valley. So you got to hit over everything. And it's easy to get it to run off. And so I always try to hit to the front of the green and let it roll across. And this particular day, the flag was in the very back sort of, uh, you know, on the, if I was looking north, it would be on the northeast side of the green. So the ball had to travel all the way up and then take that ridge and then, you know, not very likely, right? So everybody's teed off, and then they come down to my tee, which, as you know, and girls is like boys are way back there. So I take my club out, and I'm warming up. And so I hit it, and I see that it it hits the front of the green like it's supposed to. 
and it starts rolling and all of a sudden behind me I hear my caddy going it's going in it's going in it's going in and I turn around to look at him and I'm like will you shut up like it is not it's gonna do what it always does it's just gonna roll and by the time I'm like standing there arguing with him all those guys that I'd never met are going oh my god I made it I didn't even see it oh brilliant I missed my own hole in one. So, you know, that's typical. But, you know, then you get a big deal. A lot of drama. Everyone comes down to the hole. The club manager comes down. Mm -hmm. The club pro. Everyone's come. Pictures, pictures. And it was like, you know, then you've got to start getting your wallet out because then you got to start buying drinks for open that bar everyone tab. around. Yep, open that bar tab up for sure. Yeah. Then you get your picture in the paper and all that kind yeah. of stuff. So it was, I will never forget it, obviously. Obviously. Um, but I know people that have had no holes in one. Mm-hmm. I know people that have had 10 or 12. Yeah. But I really do think it's the luck of the draw that oh, day. Yeah. It's just it the is. luck of the draw. Yeah, yeah it's totally like when nice. you saw some of those shots at Augusta, mm-hmm. you know, and you see them rolling in. It's the luck of the draw. Yeah, I mean, there's just you can't. You could stand there and put that shot on there a hundred times, and it probably wouldn't go in. Yeah. But that one time, it just happened to be in the, in the right in the center, and it just dropped in. I mean, it was like dropped in. Didn't hit the. It didn't hit the pin and bounce Special. out because I've had a few near misses. Yeah. I've had some that rolled up this close. I thought they were going in and then I've hit the flag stick before mm-hmm. and it's dropped down and then it pops out of the cup. Yeah. So I've had so many like where I was going, oh. but of course the one that went in, I wasn't looking of because course, I turned around to yeah. tell my caddy, yeah. oh, well, you just hush. It's not, it's not oh, come on. You know, <laughs> that thing's never going in. It never does. How no, many times does. have we done this? Yeah. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> That's why I love golf. I mean, I've oh, I love played it. it my entire And it was life. this crazy little pink ball that Amanda, <laughs> my friend, my best friend, who's the golf coach with the son, <laughs> yeah. had given me. And it's this crazy bright pink golf ball. And everybody was running up there going, oh, it's a bright pink golf ball. Oh, look at that. Ha ha. You hit a hole in one with a bright pink golf ball. Golf ball. And I'm like, well, you know, I am a girl. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, it'd be different if I was using it. It's okay. Golf ball. Yeah. Right. Do, do you have it framed? Is it in the office? Yes. Yep. Framed. Yeah. Never it's lose actually that. in my house where yep. I look at it every day. <laughs> Definitely. Great memories. That's awesome. They make a shadow box for you out at Great. the club. And so. You get it in about six or eight weeks, at least at that time. It's probably yeah. six months now. Right. But yeah. um, the the guys in the pro shop get all the pictures, and then mm-hmm. they get the scorecard and, you know, circle yeah. it and all awesome. that, and they make a little thing so for good. you. It's pretty fun. Yeah, and great yeah. for your guests, too. Like the scene, oh, you know, they were just they like, great oh, my gosh. You yeah. know, this is the greatest thing ever. We come to Southern Hills, and we got to see – have free drinks yeah. get the you know golf cart out there have the pl- cr- club pro come out have the, the full manager. experience I mean, they're yeah. like, amazing this is a great day yeah. they were all excited what a day that's so good do you have any involvement through the company with like are you are you a part of anything being close tulsa company of they kind of we like, are how, how does we that? we bought a uh chalet yeah um and uh, we're sharing it with another company mm-hmm. in town so the uh you know, I've got a lot of people that, that you everybody's know, asking you for tickets. All <laughs> my great yeah. customers and buddies and yeah. friends are like, oh, we want to come. Because everyone know? plays golf in corporate, Most the corporate everybody. The world, right? The corporate in fact, world. that's what my dad told me. He said, you can't play tennis. You need to play golf. You know, 
you're going to you know. go to these McDonald's conventions and you're just, no one's going to play tennis with you. No. So I said, okay. Yeah. Well, so he bought me a set of clubs, took me out to the pro, mm -hmm. and uh, I never learned bad habits. He goes, I'm going to take you out yeah. so you don't From learn bad one. habits. Yeah. Yeah. Build that foundation. Yeah. God, it's awesome. So, and then Amanda, of course, changed everything around. So, yeah, yeah, corrected everything. Because <laughs> eventually, I mean, that's you why you still have bad you habits. Have bad you know? habits all the one time. coach to another, they don't teach the same. So, yeah. you have to no, learn the right. other one's yeah. style, you know. Brilliant. Yeah, I love it. I'm looking forward to coming up to, to see it. Um, looking forward to, I mean, just watching golf in person. It doesn't happen very often. Yeah, well, but, if you're uh, coming, let me know. I would like, yeah, I'll, I'll have to do I'll that. give you my card and you can, you can get a, get a spot there. That would be amazing. Good. That would be great. All right, we'll do it. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> I didn't know uh, you love golf. So Amanda will be in the tent. Okay. Uh, yeah. She's going to be with the boys. Uh, her husband, Trey, will be around. Mm -hmm. And then her twin sister, Susie. So you yeah. never met the twin sister. She's I'll have to, crazy, yeah. too. They're going to be in the tent, too. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah we'll that, all I be mean, that's how I ended out there. Up, that's how I ended up here. I came here to play golf in college. So that's why I met my wife Great. and then stayed. So still playing that's as much awesome. as possible. So. so did you play for OU or No, OSU? I played at SNU. So it's okay. a small Christian okay. place. Okay, got thing, it. But yeah. uh, Matt Ainsley through golf and, yes. and all of his friends through golf. So yeah. Well, my brother's awesome. on the Hall of Fame wall out at uh, OSU, out at the golf golf course out there i love awesome. uh karsten we got yeah. to we we're part of the original founders of mm -hmm. of that and uh, my brother's on the wall so that, he was yeah. a i was up there about fabulous a month ago. golfer yeah yeah i'm gonna have to interview your brother now <laughs> do that stuff but um thank you so much thank for you coming this Thank has been you. an absolute pleasure. How fun. I don't often get to interview Oklahoma Hall of Famers who have one been to Wales, who have a business in Wales, <laughs> who love golf as much as I do. Um, so it's an absolute pleasure. Um, Thank you. Well, this has been wonderful and fun. Yeah. Congratulations, obviously, on your induction last year. Thank you. Um, I look forward to seeing you at all of the Hall of Fame induction dinners that you make it to. I'm Absolutely. Sure, you know, you, you had a great time last year, and I'm sure you're going to continue. I'll try to make time. it down every every single time. Yeah. Well, every time it comes to Tulsa, at least, right? Oh, absolutely. So. I like to come here. This is I bet it's really special being yeah. here. So Great. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, thank you. For everyone listening, I'll post the links in the description to Paul's bio and the website so you guys can check that out. And we will catch you next episode. Cheers. This podcast is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, telling Oklahoma stories through its people since 1927. Follow them online at oklahomahof.com and definitely on Instagram at oklahomahof. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.